Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Well, it's good to be back and to be with you all online, virtually. And uh, it just seems like every day in 2020 seems to bring on a new normal. That you're going to be at home. No, you, you can go out. You need to wear a mask. Um, you know, there are all kinds of opinions there. There's, uh, you know, we're going to do school this way. No, maybe this way. Teachers, I know you've been wrestling through that with your uh, school district on how we're going to do this. It just seems like there's this new normal that just continues to come. And so our series now is is called A New Normal because frankly, all this random normal that keeps coming here and there and back and forth is exhausting. Can I get an amen online? Go ahead, put that in the comments. If you have been exhausted by the normal that seems to be new every day. But what if there was something that we could learn during this crisis? What if there was a normal that Scripture has been calling us to for thousands and thousands of years? What if this normal was something that can remain constant even through whatever crisis life can throw our way? What if this new normal was something that would also mature you and me us together as Christians, as lovers of God and of human beings. It sounds like a tall order, but I believe it is available today, and this series is going to be all about that. So open your Bibles and uh, open them to Genesis chapter 2. We're gonna ask, I'm going to ask you to open them to two different places all at once. So Genesis chapter 2, go ahead and open there. That's going to be our first reading. And then go ahead and flip over to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. So go ahead and put your thumb in those two places. And then we're going to read our first passage. I want to, we're actually going to just bump right up from Genesis chapter 2 into chapter 1 just for a second. I want to read that last verse of chapter 1. So Genesis chapter 1. Beginning at verse 31, God saw all that God had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work God had been doing. So on the seventh day, God rested. From all God's work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. All right, that's our first. Let's flip over to Exodus chapter 20. We're going to read verse 2 because it's very important. And then we'll read verses 8 through 11. Why is verse 2 so important? You know we're, we're going to read the, one of the Ten Commandments, and you probably already know which one we're going to read. But it's important that you remember that all of the commandments are connected or flow out from verse 2. Verse 2, God is speaking to the people, and He says, I am Yahweh your God. I am the Lord your God, 
who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And we're going to jump down to to verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor animals, nor the aliens that reside within your gates. For in six days Yahweh made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But He rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is the Word of God for the people of God. And our response is, thanks be to God. Well, the word that uh, is going to be the theme word of our day today is the word Sabbath. And let's just start off right, right off the bat and let's give you your first Hebrew word. And the word for Sabbath in Hebrew is the word Shabbat. It's pretty simple to say. I think you're going to want to say that with me. So let's go ahead. One, two, three. Shabbat. One more time. One, two, three. Shabbat. And that is just translated into Sabbath. And, and the word Sabbath has kind of made its way into English. It's, it's been around enough in church and Jewish circles that it, it tends to, to bring up some ideas or connotations. What comes to your mind when you hear the word Sabbath? I want to take just a little moment and not just have you listening to me, but let's interact just a little bit in the comment section. List in the comment section. Just write a word or two. What comes to your mind when you hear the word Sabbath? Go ahead. Take just a second. Go ahead, let's, let's interact. Let's, let's see what comes up for you when you hear the word Sabbath. Now, for some of you, it's just a big question mark. Like, I, that's a strange word to me. I, I don't know what Sabbath means. Well, that's okay. You're going to hear a lot about that today and maybe some next week as well. But for others of you, it reminds you of complete and utter boredom. Because your family was very strict on this, and and if it was fun, it probably wasn't something that you were supposed to do on the Sabbath. For you, it was about dressing up in stuffy clothes as a little kid, and and, and having to come to an unair-conditioned building, and then afterwards to go home and just lay around the house all day, and there was nothing to do, and you couldn't go outside, and you couldn't play with your friends, and because it was Sabbath. And for you then, it, this word really brings up this idea of a very legalistic, binding day, 24 hours, that just was excruciating for you. But Sabbath, Shabbat, it means literally just to cease or to stop. In this case, it means to stop working. Israel was meant to be a community of Sabbath, of a community of stopping work in a certain and particular pattern, a way to do this. Sabbath is really one of the most important themes through all of Scripture, both the Old and New Testament. As we saw in our first reading in Scripture in Genesis 2, God Himself, God rested. In other words, God set the standard for Sabbath keeping. And it was set at day seven. So if God rests, 
Who are we to think that we should always be working, 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 working? Are we better, more energetic, more powerful than God who rested, who said, this is what I'm going to do? And then when he called people out of slavery, he wanted them to rest. It's so important that when God rescues the children, remember, he said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. For 400 years they were slaved and they were, they were worked and worked and worked and worked. God gives them the command to cease working, to cease from all work. And he says, this will be a hallmark of my people. This is what one thing that will set them apart. I mean, think about this. God says, you, my children, my family, you have been used by an economic empire that saw you as cattle and worked you every day of your life. One of the ways now that you can show who the true God is like is to rest, to stop working in a regular pattern. This is so counter to the culture of workaholism. And workaholism is not a modern phenomenon. It was ancient and it continues right up through today. We still encounter this today. Now, some of you will say, well, Jesus, he overturned the law. Now we live by grace, so we don't have to participate in those old school Sabbath, Shabbat, whatever you want to call it, Pastor. We don't have to do that anymore because Jesus came, and now we're not under law, we're under grace. But my friends, listen to the words of Jesus in Mark chapter 2, verses 27 and 28, when he says that he was the Sabbath Lord, and that the Sabbath was made for human beings. In other words, he is saying that he is the Lord who will lead us into Sabbath because he knows it is essential for human beings to have a time of ceasing working and to rest. Jesus did deliver us from the legalism that had turned Sabbath into a bunch of rules for earning God's approval. But Jesus still believed and believes that Sabbath is essential for for the health of human beings, for you and for me. It is healthy to stop working. I love what Wayne Mueller writes about Sabbath. He says, To remember the Sabbath is not a burdensome requirement, but rather a remembrance of a law that is firmly embedded in the fabric of nature. It is a reminder of how things are. The rhythmic dance to which we unavoidably belong. I think that's just beautiful. That we were, this rhythmic dance, we were to enter into work for six days and we're to do all of those things, but then we are to rest. There's part of the dance where we're moving and there's part of the dance where we are standing still. Now, I don't know if you've ever figured this out, but you know that Jesus died right before the Sabbath, don't you? I mean, this is, this is so foundational. It's, it's woven even through the Gospels. Jesus died right before the Sabbath day began. And He rested in the tomb in His death and His descent into, into hell and His rescue of those. He went to proclaim the good news. And then He rose again on the first day of the new week, signaling a new creation. 
Some scholars, in fact, say what Jesus did was so radical that he actually was raised on the eighth day. It's like a whole new world is breaking in. So Sabbath is tied. It is foundational to to us as Christians as well. We are called into this. All of creation changed on Jesus' Sabbath day. And this weekly rhythm of work and then rest should be healing us as we continue this pattern right through to this day. I love how Pastor Pete Scazzaro defines Sabbath. I want you to hear this. It's going to kind of be our theme uh, for today. He says, Sabbath is a weekly 24-hour block of time. Okay? You may want to write this down. It is a weekly 24-hour block of time in which we, you and me, stop work, enjoy rest, practice delight, and contemplate God. Let me give you those four again because we're going we're gonna to do that. You may want to put some space wherever you're writing so that you can fill in because we're going to look at these four things. It's a weekly 24-hour block of time in which we stop work, enjoy rest, practice delight, and contemplate God. Let's look at these four characteristics just a little bit different, uh, a little bit deeper, okay? Let's, let's jump in here. The first one that we have is stop work. Seems pretty simple, right? Cease all work. That includes paid work and unpaid work for a set 24-hour period. What are you thinking right now? Are you thinking, that's just so crazy, Pastor Jeff. Why are you thinking that way? Do you think that you, it's not healthy for you, that you could do more if you used up that 24 hours with work? Think about that. Just do a little heart check right now. That's To stop working is to cease all work, paid and unpaid, for a set 24-hour period. I mean, this seems simple enough, but many of us finish our paid work week and then spend the entire weekend on our unpaid work. You know, you do your chores, you do your, your, your whatever you do around the house, you, you take your kids to the 25 soccer games, or you did before COVID hit. Uh, we, we're just busy people. There just always seems like there is so much to do. And one of your biggest barriers to work, uh, to stopping working, to cease working, is right in your pocket, or it might be right in your purse. It's right here. It's called a smartphone. Now, don't get me wrong, I have one, obviously. I love it. I, I just love my Apple iPhone and I like to, you know, look at things. I love that I can check my email when I'm on the go, all these things. But the truth of the matter is, is that this thing now makes us, makes you, makes me constantly available. And guess what? Your employer has figured that out. They know that they can send you an email. They can send you a text. They can do something to get your attention and a hold of you to get you back into working right now. In fact, some of you right now are probably checking your email while you're listening to this sermon. Ah, gotcha. To stop working, to take a Sabbath might mean that we have to once again figure out that these things have an off switch. 
They do not control your heartbeat. It does not control your brain waves. It does not control your lungs. You will continue living with this thing turned off. And I'm preaching as much to myself as I am to you all. We are called as a Sabbath to stop working for 24 hours. Let me say, if your kids or your spouse has ever said to you more than once, why are you on your phone again? Why are you on your computer again? Why aren't you home yet? You probably are one who needs to remember the healing power of a weekly Sabbath. To stop working is about trusting that God's pattern for life is the most healthy way to actually live our lives. Healthy and holy are synonyms. I want you to hear me say that. Healthy and holy, they are synonyms. You cannot be holy if you are unhealthy. And unhealthy patterns will never lead you to holiness. And folks, we are called to lead holy, healthy lives. And Shabbat, Sabbath, is the way God planned for us from the beginning of creation to move into healthy, holy cycles. We can't just leave it behind because the one we call Lord said He is Lord of the Sabbath. He's the one who leads us into rest. And He knows it's beneficial for us, for you and for me. So, what are the things you would need to do to create a 24-hour period to stop all work? At the end of the the sermon today, we'll be sending out a a sheet of paper that's going to help you work through all of these so that you can begin to plan for a Sabbath. I want this to be a very practical series for all of us to mature. Now remember, the goal is not legalism. Thou shalt not mow thy lawn during the weekends. For me, mowing the lawn isn't, is, it is stopping. It allows me to turn my brain off. I can't hear my phone ring. I leave it inside. And I just, I have one of those propel mowers. So really it's just a stroll behind a machine. But it's what allows you to stop. And move on into rest. That's the next one. To enjoy rest. That means we are engaging in activities that restore and replenish us in our heart of hearts. It could be playing. Many of us have forgotten how to play. Not just with our kids, but as adults. Maybe your kids are adults. To play with them. To, to engage in a board game. To, to go out and hike. To, to take a nap. Novel fact. Watch a movie with your family. Sleeping in. Eating a good meal. Walking on the beach. There are so many things that we can do. What restores or replenishes you? Take a moment to to write that. List some of those things in the comment if you would be so bold. Yesterday I did one thing. I, I went tubing down a river with my nephews and my mom and my son. and We just... Floated down. That recharges me. It restores me. I love that. Now, to enjoy rest might mean we have to take some pre-planning. We have to plan ahead. Here's an example. If you hate cooking, if cooking is something that just drags you down and you do it six days a week for a big family, then resting, enjoying rest, might mean that it's just fix your own sandwiches for 24 hours. 
Or you go ahead and pre-make food in advance or throw something in the crock pot that all you do is put it in and turn, turn it on and, and it'll be done. Or it might be order pizza night. I mean, kids are going to love that. Knowing that every night, whatever you choose, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whatever day you choose for Sabbath is pizza night. Woo! They'll love that. All it takes is a phone call. And they deliver it to your door. The goal is to be replenished. Christians will often say they want to live like Jesus. Well, God rested. Jesus participated in resting. He got away from the crowds. He spent that time so that he knew that he needed to be nourished. He needed to be restored. He needed to be replenished. Jesus participated in Sabbath activities. He knew this was good for our health and holiness. And if Jesus did it, then we can be confident that it is something for our good too. The Sabbath was meant to be enjoyed. It is for us and our replenishing. So why do we try to cram all of our Sabbath into a 10-day or two-week vacation once a year? That's not the pattern that God wants for His people. We are called to be a people of Sabbath rest. Well, those first two examples, cease working, enjoy, uh, resting, they, those seem pretty straightforward. The next two are very much a part of the Sabbath, and they deepen it, but they're not so much a part of our normal, everyday world. They enhance the Sabbath, what it is all about. So let's look at these. The, the next one, the third one, is to practice delight. It means that we're joining in the celebration with God. That first reading that we looked at, Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. God finishes creation, and what does He say? God saw all that God had made, and it was very good. Now we see that and we think back to our, our times at school. If we did good work on a paper, you know, we might get that smiley face at the top and said, very good in red ink from our teacher. That's not what this means in, according to the Hebrew Scriptures. I mean, this is God delighting, dancing, whooping it up, laughing, enjoying all the things that God had created. He was viewing them and seeing them and He was just so excited. He was running around. Woo, look at what I've done. There is delight in the midst of this. And then God rests. We spend a ton of time explaining about God as being all-knowing, all-powerful, all-wise, all of those things. And, and of course, God is all those things. But the truth is that, that God also is one filled with delight. I want you to hear this from Psalm. Turn in your Bible to, to Psalm chapter 36. Psalm 36, verses 7 through 9. I want you to hear this. How priceless is your unfailing love. Both high and low among people find refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your river of delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. 
God's delight is described as a river. It's not narrow. It's not stingy. It's not a dried up place. It's extravagant. It replenishes and it fills up again and it's flowing over and over. I just think back to yesterday, floating down there, all that water moving in one direction. This is what God's delight is all about. And we are called to join in with that delight. But this means that we have to know what brings us joy and delight. What do we love? Do you know what brings you joy and delight? Also, because this is a family experience, do you know what brings your family joy and delight? You're going to want to to look at those things and, and write them down and know about them so that you can begin to plan what would be something that brings joy and delight to you or something that you can participate that brings joy and delight to your spouse, to your friend, to your family, to your your kids. You're going to want to begin to do those things. For some of you, it's the sound of a baseball hitting a bat or a glove. For some of you, it's it's fine food. You know, you're a foodie. You like to see all those things. You watch the Food Network and you try your hand at those things. And, and that's what brings you joy and delight. For some of you, it's autumn tree color tour that will be coming sooner than we expect. And you love to do that. For some of you, it's the, the roar of the motorcycle underneath you as you as you go through. For some of you, it's music and a concert filled with the sounds that just bring you joy and delight. They're the things that cause that joy to just well up in you. And it is taking rest and replenishing to that next level where that joy and delight is just coming out. And we're called... We are actually commanded for this to happen once a week. Once a week we're supposed to do this. So we need to begin thinking about this so that we can begin to plan. Lastly, and probably the one that's hardest for us to understand, is contemplating God. You see, this is what sets Sabbath apart from just a day off. We focus on God as we stop working, enjoy rest, and practice delight. We're focusing that part of that day to God. We want to connect everything to whether this is God who has invited us into this. It's God's delight that we are connecting with as those we participate in those things that bring joy and well that up in us and restore us in our rest. I want you to understand what the word contemplate comes from the Latin word contemplatus. You don't want to say that with me, right? I know usually we stick to Greek and Hebrew, but today we're going to throw in a little Latin. Contemplatus. Ready? One, two, three. Contemplatus. Let's try it one more time. One, two, three. Contemplatus. And this is what it means. Literally, it just means to gaze attentively. To gaze with your eyes. To, to gaze attentively. To observe and to consider. A good example of contemplation is found in Psalm 19.1, where the psalm writer there writes, The heavens are telling the glory of God. The firmament proclaims God's handiwork. Here the psalmist is looking at the sky. Maybe he's in his Shabbat and he's got his arms behind his head and he's just looking up. And all of a sudden as he's gazing, as he's focused on his attention, it leads him to say that the sky, the clouds, suddenly finds itself connected to God's handiwork and God's love. And he writes that the heavens are filled with the glory of God. 
to contemplate is to spend some part of that Sabbath day connecting to God, pondering God's love, God's creativity, God's mercy, God's grace. It's not just sitting down cross-legged and closing your eyes and breathing in and out. It's, it's about focusing all that attention in your rest, in your joy, taking that moment as you, as you look at your kids to take that moment and think, oh, wow, God has blessed me. God has blessed me. For some of you, it's, it's being out in nature that really pushes your heart towards God and you see the beauty all around you and you, you think, God, what a great job you have done. Gerard Manley Hopkins, the the poet, he writes, the world is charged with the grandeur of God. Wow. That is contemplating God. For some of you, it's probably like our very own Holly Beeman right now as she holds her newborn baby, Noah. And she looks and she sees the wonder of God and in his eyes and his breath and his toes and his hands. And she's just amazed that this has happened. This also is contemplatus, to gaze attentively. And this contemplation brings all the stopping, all the resting, all the delighting together and points us to the fact that God made this day for us. God wants us to be healthy, which leads to holiness. So whatever you do to stop, to rest, to delight, be intentional and look for God's handiwork on your Shabbat, on your Sabbath. Now, why are we to do all these things? I mean, I mean, just beyond because God said so. Why, why would God say so? Why, why do we need to participate in this? One, I think it invites us to trust that God can keep your life going without you working. Think about that. God can keep your life working and going without you working. It's a testimony to the culture around us that we trust that if I pause for 24 hours to stop working, to enjoy resting, to practice delight, and to contemplate God, the world will go on. My life will not fall apart because I'm trusting God. There are a couple of businesses that we know of that do this. One of them, you know, most days I I get ready to leave church and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to Chick-fil-A. No, I'm not going to go to Chick-fil-A. Because Chick-fil-A practices Sabbath. And they believe that they can pause work for 24 hours and God will allow business to go on as usual. We're getting ready for upgrades to our sound system. And we, we uh, ordered from a place called B&H Photo. It's the second largest photography and, and studio equipment audiovisual company in the world. But it's run by Orthodox Jews. So from Friday at noon or at sundown to Saturday at sundown, there is, you cannot order anything even online on their company page. That means they miss out on Black Friday sales every year. But they believe they need Sabbath and that they're going to trust God to continue business and the world will not come to an end because they pause and enjoy rest and practice delight and contemplate God. 
Two, Sabbath invites us to know, to really know, deeply know, that God delights in who we are, not just in what we do. I want to say that to you. I want to, I want to point right at the camera. I want you to know this Sabbath allows us to begin to know, deeply know in the core of who we are, that God delights in who you are. Not just in what you do. We are called human beings, not human doings. And Sabbath begins to move in those rhythms where we begin to experience the delight of God in who we are. When we are resting, when we are playing, when we are doing the things that replenish us, and when we are focusing that on God. And lastly, Sabbath prepares us for the world to come. I know that sounds so strange to connect Sabbath with heaven, but it is true. The world to come is described as an eternal Sabbath. Stopping and resting. Revelation 4, 14, 13 says, And they will rest from all their labor, and their deeds will follow them. Delight and to contemplate God gathered around God's throne. There is described an eternal delighting and looking at God who is with them in the new creation. Sabbath is practicing for the life to come. And I want to be there. Do you? Well, we start with a taste of that divine one day somewhere in the future of that right now. Each week we are to experience that with our Sabbath where we stop working and we enjoy rest and we practice delight and we contemplate God. I want to close with Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel and what he says. He says, unless we learn how to relish the taste of Sabbath while still in this world, unless one is initiated in the appreciation of eternal life, one will be unable to enjoy the taste of eternity in the world to come. The essence of the world to come is Sabbath eternal. And the seventh day, the Shabbat, in this time is an example of that eternity. Some of the worst Sabbath takers I know are pastors and volunteers. And I hold my hand up. I used to be really good at it. I used to know that this thing had an off switch. But pandemics constantly changing how we're going to do church and service and how can I reach out to people? How can I help pray for them when they're in the hospital when I can't even go to the hospital? Has got my, has gotten my wheels spun out. So I was reminded on my retreat that I was made for Sabbath. I was made to stop working. Even if it's good work of God, I was made to stop working. I was made to enjoy rest. And oh my word, did I enjoy rest. I I slept literally for 24 hours of the first two days I was there. It was like God was saying, you see, 
You weren't meant to be a human doing. You were meant to be a human being. One that I love. One that I delight in. And I want you to stop working in a regular rhythm. A regular pattern. And I'm committing to do just that. Will you join me? Will we finally become a people of Sabbath rest where we don't rely just on working, but we stop and we enjoy resting and we practice delight with our families and our friends and we contemplate God and thank God for all of that that comes. We'll be sending out a form. I hope it will be in the comments section right now. You should be able to click on and download, and it's just going to walk you through all of the things that I've been describing today so that you can plan a Sabbath. Figure out whatever it is. Mine will probably be like 11 or 12 on Friday, which is my day off, to 11 or 12 on Saturday, which means we'll probably have to change when we're recording and doing some different things. But I want, I want, I want to live healthy. That leads to holiness. I want to participate. I want to follow the Lord of the Sabbath who knows it's good for me. Will you join us? Let's pray. Father, we have experienced your goodness in so many ways. And yet the truth is, with all that's going on in the world, it feels like we can't stop. But you knew that we were supposed to delight. You know that we weren't made to work 24-7. You knew that that would wear us down and destroy our hope and wear our bodies out too quickly and cause all kinds of stress and things that that aren't good for our body. So you modeled from the very beginning that rest needed to happen. So God, forgive us, forgive me, when I have forgotten that. Thank you for your reminder that I was called to be a human being in whom you delight, not a human doing who has to try and prove himself by working harder and harder and harder. Help me, help us to be a people that trust you by taking time to stop work, to enjoy rest, to practice delight and to contemplate you, to focus our gaze upon you. For you are so good. We pray this in the name of the Lord of the Sabbath, the one who leads us into rest and someday will return and lead us to rest eternal. It's in His name that we pray all these things, the name of Jesus. And everyone online says to one another, Amen, Amen, and Amen. Would you stand and receive the blessing? And now, may you learn to enjoy the experience of Sabbath. May you experience that you are a human being in whom God delights. You are not a human doing. 
I pray that you would take the time to fill out and plan for a 24-hour period to cease work, to enjoy rest, to practice delight, and to focus your gaze upon the God who loved you so much, He gave you a full day to rest every week. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Have a great afternoon. Stay safe. Wash your hands. And may God bless you. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week. 